Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Hilford. And Michael Humphlet. Oh my God, hi, there Scott. He is. <laughs> he's driving in, he's popping in. Uh, James Dallas, I don't know if we can legally say what he's doing right now. Sounds like he's on a special ops mission. So we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but it doesn't matter because we've got one of the best people alive, Mr. Michael Humphlet himself, over from What Culture Wrestling, which, quick plug, go check out What Culture Wrestling in YouTube form and article form because there's good stuff on there. Unless you already check it out, in which case you'll absolutely be <laughs> sick of your goddamn life. It's like, I just need five minutes away from those noise-making idiots on the wrestling channel. Well, here's the thing, Michael Hamflet, right? Yeah. We have worked together for over yeah. five years now. Yes. And I would argue, you can argue against this, I'd say we're decent friends outside of this office. <laughs> it's, it's been known. It's been We've known. occasionally hung out, although I never chose it. Right <laughs> it well, against up. your will or not, we have yeah. hung out a lot, yet never ever done a piece of content together. We have been in content together, but never interacted. It's kind of like, and, you know, bl- you know, part of my ego right now, De Niro and Pacino and heat this this podcast well, right well, now. Uh, you can do the bit where it's like, but I'm both. But yeah. <laughs> like, like De Niro and Pacino, but in one of these Latin Netflix projects where they're both looking, and, and it's you, Pamphlet, you're both guys. You're yeah, both guys. I'm, I'm De Niro and Pacino in heat, you're De Niro in Dirty Granda. That's what we're, we're getting into right now. We did one thing together ever, me and you. Did and we? we ranked albums, and I forget even what year it was. Oh, yeah. did, for the then nation, what culture music. Yes. We did a halfie on the, um, like a collab on, like, was it maybe top? 10 album pop albums or it, something like that. It was that. top 10 like, pop albums. We were basically I think fighting of... for our favorite artists to get some coverage. It was a total abuse of the privilege we've got of being able to make content. It was, uh, we only managed to there. get to do that because it was like near Christmas mm-hmm. and it was like, come on, let us have one. Yeah. Let us let us have well, just that was one the initial, for ourselves. The initial plan for this was that we were going to get Hamflet on for the uh, the wind up on a Monday because that's more of a free form, but not that this has much more structure anyway. Um, but for the, the main podcast, that's usually sort of legacy topics and things where it's more controlled and we're going to go into things about gaming history and whatever else. Um, but we always wanted to do something with Mr. Hamflet because we always talk at lunchtimes about everything, the philosophies of life or gaming <laughs> or wrestling or whatever. And thankfully you had me on for the Rampage review the other week, yes. which went down very well. A lot of people getting in touch saying that they liked it. Too well, if anything, Scott, I uh, spent several days being really paranoid about losing my spot forever because you were so goddamn good in the spot. <laughs> oh, I was like, well, yeah, I think I'm surplus now. Like, no, I think we did yeah. very, very well. People liked our, our banter uh, as a combined thing, so why not capitalize on that um, and bump up the date of which we do something combined again. Um, so, which is an excuse to just talk about being a gaming dad. Being someone who likes the old games and likes being a dad. Oh, what's that, what's that like? Because well, fifty percent of that is true. <laughs> I was just going to say because the thing is, like Scott and I aren't dads right now. In, no. the, in the in the thing is, we well, get to I feel play like games. That's the of this podcast, by the way, this is <laughs> this is lovely. I feel so protected. By you both. <laughs> Sat in the middle, encased in this cocoon. He's ensconced. Of- 
But I don't know what I want to say about that. But I'm, I, I, like, I, like, I like that you view me as kind of like that figure yeah. and not like an idiot child whose opinion you don't take <laughs> that, seriously. That's when we hang good. out outside of work. That's, that's it. That's, that's, it. It. that's but, where that comes but from. But yeah, I was just going to say, I'm interested in this genuinely because, you know, we get to play games all of the time. Too much, in fact. And I'm always, you just said, yes, there's too many games. 100%. There's too yeah. many games and, you know, I'm putting too many hours into them. But I realize that, you know, a lot of our uh, listeners and whatnot, you know, when they message us, they talk about like, you know, being parents, having yeah. kids and mm-hmm. having to work around, you know, having a life essentially looking after somebody, yeah. but still loving this hobby with a passion. So I'm actually, you know, just interested to see how you've kind of been brought back into the fold, as it were, maybe through your kids. Yeah, the I'm, world. I'm definitely not. I'm a gaming dad rather than a dad that games, if that makes I sense. Know like the, yeah, yeah. the gaps in my social time are filled with wrestling. Obviously, as you mm-hmm. say, there's too much of that. If it's a thing that you're focused on, we work on it here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so gaming is very much something I do with them more than my own time now, with one exception, which I will get to, and I'm very excited to talk about it because I'll plug this game any opportunity I get. <laughs> um, yeah, I fell off when we had kids. That sounds awful, but like it's just time disappeared. So certainly correct time management. Yeah, well, ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like the games, I wasn't a hardcore gamer, but the things I would have loved putting time into, um, Red Dead Redemption, Ooh. Grand Theft Auto, Rockstar, Pro- Rockstar or Rockstar adjacent projects yeah. that I would have normally enjoyed just going deep with. Mm. I just had none of that time for because it's not, some people can do it and I think that's really admirable that they do, but you either need to sort of wait till uh, your kids have gone to bed or your significant other's gone to bed or you have that time or whatever, Make the time is difficult Mm. and then being mentally and emotionally invested to get beyond six percent i fired up gta in the pandemic and this is true i like i went into the loft and i dug out all my old games so that i got my ps3 back out because i just wanted the amount i like to imagine what it was like to go for a drive (laughs) we couldn't couldn't go anywhere so i was like i'm gonna get gta back out and i'm gonna go for a drive Uh so but never in a million years would i thought i fancy tackling the story it Mm. was Mm. half an hour i'm gonna go for a drive and cause some carnage and that was it or i'm gonna get on the horse on red dead and have a ride about a bit Mm -hmm. um with the it's, it's the Nintendo Switch has been, it was a, a lifeline in the pandemic. It was a purchase made, as mm-hmm. I'm sure many people did, just for something. Uh, oh, you're getting bored of staring at that screen. Do you want to stare at this one instead? Right. Like buying yourself some time, buying them something new. Like my children are nine and seven now, so they would have been a little bit younger back then. But obviously Mario just presents this wholesome like veneer of different worlds they can dive into for a little while. And I'd been out of it for so long. I've, I've come to both of you at various points with like little, asking for little bits of advice mm-hmm. on which, yeah. which route to go down. Mm-hmm. And even from a point of view of like the online, uh, the online service Switch online. was easy for me to understand. Mm-hmm. It was a one-off payment. What they could, well, what I could do in there for them was great, but they couldn't really find harm they couldn't find trouble they weren't i wasn't going to get some horrendous bank statement where they've gone <laughs> hog wild on a bunch of in-game purchases it was easy to lock down i needed it made as simple as possible mm-hmm. for them to have a bit of it's their first game in independence yeah. they've had the million different that was times, like desk chats and i say well what real what damage could i cause on my sega master system <laughs> as a, as a seven-year-old zero that's very different now i couldn't give them I can, but it's got to be on airplane mode. I can't give them an iPad. So mm, expect them not to get yeah. and dragged into that. So the mm-hmm. Switch felt like the... That was one thing I was going to have down because like Nintendo's like uh, parent, parent controls, that separate app thing that you can use and everything yeah. is like one of the most robust like ones of them in, in, in the industry. Um, and yeah, like that whole like thing that you hear about loads from parents of like, I let my kid play something and then I got a bill for like £13,000 or yeah. whatever it was. Um, like there was a case on the BBC a few years ago um, where someone, some kid had been playing FIFA and just kept clicking the button over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was a £3,000 bill that they'd racked up in like <sighs> half an hour or something. Yeah. How fast can you click a button? Like, yeah. Um, and like that's like a reality of modern games is just microtransactions and how easy it is to just keep spending. 
Yeah, horrific as well. It's it's as simple, well, right now it is at least, at least with the games the boys are playing, it mm. is as simple as there being a password that would stop them getting past even the most basic of points. I've seen sometimes, um, Charlie, my oldest, has got Down syndrome, so he doesn't even, he plays, mm. but then he doesn't necessarily spot an instruction, he just knows where to go for the mm. games. Mm-hmm. So he'll sometimes get lost in the shop, or you know, on the generic Switch opening screen where there's adverts on the left-hand side. Yeah. yeah. Might, say if it was a Mario one, he might, I'll have a look at that. Yeah. Right. He might think it's a trailer, he might think it's another game to mm-hmm. play. And he'll go in, but even then, he can only get so far. And that's definitely an area where purchases could be made. True. If he was a little bit more wily or either of them had access to our password for like the Nintendo login. I guess it would still it block it when yeah. you go do the transaction or it should. That, that's it's, it. It's, <laughs> a fairly, it's a fairly easy wall in a way that Apple isn't so hot with and other other similar services are not so great with. I tell you what though, in, on uh, spending on the Switch store, I think the e-store, the e-shop, sorry, is like a just, it's not a mess, but it's so ancient. Like it feels mm. like this weird thing. You know when like, I'm just going to remember this, uh, Hamlet, but when PlayStation 3 launched their first PlayStation Network store and it was like this weird live browser thing, it wasn't like an actual yes, executable. Yes, I do remember that. It was just so like, what, what do you want got, Internet Explorer, but worse. Yeah, <laughs> do you want like a yeah. tiled interface? It just felt terrible and the e-shop feels like that. It always feels like you're loading a browser. I think you are. I think you're loading a browser thing inside the switch and it feels terrible but I was going to say in regards to um, finalizing stuff if you tie your PayPal account to the eShop when you go to uh, um, check out something if you just say pay by PayPal it doesn't ask you to log in it just does it like, yeah. I just, I just yeah. do that for ease of buying stuff but I'm like anyone could just get my switch and buy stuff not a gaming storefront but I remember the first time I did like the one click purchase on Amazon and you mm. didn't have to confirm it and it was just like yep that's coming to your house tomorrow <laughs> yeah. I thought that's dangerous that is I'm pleased I didn't have this when I was a kid <laughs> it is I wish pivot into just general sort of earliest gaming memories. I thought we could share some of them. Like, because I, I think, um, Hamlet, you were a Nintendo kid back in today? Uh, well. Well. Game Boy. Oh! Game yes. Boy, yes. Console, Sega. Right, cool. So, Sega, I always like that, yeah. Sega Master System. Uh, Sega Master System, Sega Mega Drive, Game yep, yep, Boy. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, and then on the PlayStation. So, Did you have the Master System version of Sonic? And he looked really weird. He had like yeah. A, yeah. I had the, so I had the Master System version and couldn't work out, as you don't when you're kids, it takes a while to put things together, doesn't it? <laughs> Why mine was so much lamer than the one that I played around my mate's house. <laughs> yep. It was because my mum and dad had got me a Master System instead. I, yeah. And I, as a parent now, I completely understand that. <laughs> I will also try and fob my kids off with a cheaper alternative of the good thing as often as I can. <laughs> the Aldi brand version of Sonic. This is it. And you buy Sonic. that time. Mm-hmm. And I, that's some, like, I think about it now of how much slower it played. Because I've played every um, ported Mega Drive version, whether it be on the PS3 um, Sega collection or now on the Switch or mm. 3 Sonic Mania or whatever. The, oh, it's Sonic just, Mania. it crawls. Like Sonic on the Master System absolutely crawls. I think even the Game Gear version was quicker. <laughs> um, but yeah, playing that on the Master System and then finally getting there. My folks, like, I wish I had... I wish I had the discipline that my folks had. This the, this reference will date me, but just imagine that supermarket, like, imagine eBay, but it, you just had to put a card in the supermarket. Basically, <laughs> right. Supermarkets had this thing where you would have the card in the corner, like, and you could buy and sell things. Aye. And you would pay, like, five quid, and you could put a card in the supermarket for a week. And obviously, loads of people going shopping. So what my folks would do, it's a good discipline t- tactic, but I just don't have the stones as a parent to do this. So around October time, I would have to say goodbye to my console. <gasps> and it would go in the Morrisons thing and it would be like console for sale, 50, 60 quid or whatever. And then they would use the money to buy that year's Christmas present. So if I wanted to upgrade, I right. had to go, whatever it was, two, three months, game free. Ooh, so the Master yeah, System disappeared yeah. for the Game Boy. I think the Game Boy disappeared for the Mega Drive. And on and on that went, I think up until 
I think up until the PS2. Right. Like that was a, we got flooded out of the house that year and I think it was a guilt purchase. So life's, <laughs> <laughs> life's gone sad for a while, but it was, it was like GTA, it was GTA three and scary movie on DVD. And I was like underage of the scary movie, like rating us. Mm-hmm. I was like, this has gone great. Let's have more floods. That, um, that whole like rotational thing. I used to do that. Like when I was a kid and for the most part until a lot of the physical stuff went away, like physical stores, cause yeah. you could get a game, keep the receipt, take it back a week later. It's within the like seven to yeah. 10 day period thing and exchange it for its full value. Value and then get something else and then do that again and then eventually settle on the third game. I think I mentioned this on an old podcast, but I would like look at the game I want to keep, but I want to try these other two and then do them on the way to the game I want to keep. Yeah. And then also, yeah, in terms of I'm um, trading consoles in or whatever, their values were just way higher, like in store mm-hmm. credit. I mean, CX is pretty good in the UK um, for being able to still do that now. But yeah, like if you can get in a routine with that, like I guess the, the only thing that's changed over the years is that you can do that quite immediately now. You don't have yeah. to wait for months d- or whatever. I definitely something that I've noticed already with my kids, they've had to switch about two years. And the, we don't buy the game, we buy the cartridges typically because there's a bit more ceremony around it at the age of that. Yeah, They're like having media. the thing yeah. and, you know, swapping the games out and stuff. Mm. Um, the dedication I would put into games then versus what they do now, it's if it just doesn't interest them, it'll be months before they go back to it. Oh, I would okay. have one or two games at a time. Yeah. It was certainly, I don't know, it was just, that's it. That's what I played. That's all I played. Played, played, played. Mm-hmm. And then, so Sonic on the Masters and being a great example. I love you bringing up Sonic. I was like, are we going to talk about Sonic this week? We're going to talk about Sonic this week. An absolute knacker to complete. A Sonic fan. But it was the only thing you would do. So of course you'd master the first three or four levels. Of course you could like get up to the first zone of Labyrinth mm. before you would like lose your mind <laughs> and get frustrated with the second one. Uh-huh. Like, because you would play that every time. It would always be by the time you get into level four or five that it was getting late or you had to switch it off and yeah, save. start all yeah. over again. Like, it was, that's it. So every time it was just starting all over again. Oh my God, password saves. Like, obviously the Mega Drive didn't yeah. have them, but the PS1 did on Crash. Yeah. Where it was just like, make sure you memorize this 16 digit uh-huh. thing so you can get back here again. So with your kids, was it a situation where they were interested in games beforehand but didn't have a console? Or was it a situation where you were like, hey kids, look at this thing you've never experienced before in then they gravitated towards it. Because I can't remember never knowing about games consoles because I was introduced oh, to them I got so young. Because one of my mates had a, one of my friends had a Mega Drive slash Genesis for the Americans and I went over there, played Sonic and I was like, oh my God, this is life changing. Yeah. And then begged my parents for the console. But we got the Master System not knowing there was any difference because we could just afford it and it said Sega on it. Yeah. And then getting home and then I played like the Master System version of Shinobi and um, Sonic and they just looked worse. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand what was different. And then it was like, oh, they're actually different consoles and it's like a half step thing and it, whatever. It, 16 bit was a real yeah. was a real like kicking the guts, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, in the nets. No, the um because uh, I had that same experience right. as well. You play it around somebody else's house and then all of a sudden your parents' lives are ruined because well, that's what I want for Christmas. And nah. that's it now, that's it. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna be skinned forever. Um very much the other way, uh again a lockdown thing was the kids really getting into watching Mario videos on YouTube kids. Right. Just constant like gameplay uh, stuff. Uh no um so streamers uh, Stampy Guy, nope. there's a streamer called Stampy. There's a lot of terrible ones, but he's a pretty good one. So apparently, <laughs> listening, like, there's worse than him. Mm-hmm. And um, he would play uh, Mario Kart. Uh, oh, cool. Which, which now I realise is Mario Kart Deluxe. But I was watching this thing that had a lot of Mario Kart um, levels from the Wii that I'd remembered yep. and from like my mate SNES that I remembered and stuff, obviously, because all of it's there combined in it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they were watching these and Mario Party videos. So it would be a streamer just playing game after game, like a video that lasts an hour on YouTube Kids, but of all these Mario Party mini games. One after another, the kids are just absolutely captivated by them. That's and fascinating, again, that. I, like, I, I don't mind being honest about, it, it was too much screen time, but it was locked down and it was just, yeah, like, yeah. let's see if I can buy an hour here. And they were just mesmerized by it. And kids' attention spans are less than ever now because there's always different things to be distracted by. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, this was, they were absolutely glued to it. And it wasn't even Christmas. We made the call 
So it was January 2021. I think yeah. we got it. Um, Remember you asking us too about you were going to get a Switch? And yeah, I was like, yeah. We'd got through Christmas and thought, ah, oh, do you know what? That should, probably should have been the big present. And then we just, there were, we found some deals after Christmas and we <coughs> just thought, let's just take the leap. There's another lockdown happening mm-hmm. in mm. January 2021. And, and then they had it. So it was, they were influenced. I think they saw it and were both captivated by what it was. Yeah. And I think it was probably Josh, my youngest, asking, how do we play that? Yeah. And when you're a kid, oh. you don't even know what you don't know. Yeah. So it's just, oh, these, like they probably at first thought Mario was a cartoon. And then when they realized somebody else was playing it and could control it, or maybe me and my wife would have talked about, oh yeah, we played Mario when we were a kid. You mm. played it. Yeah. Go on. And now there's, <laughs> and Mario's in the toy shop and Mario's this thing that can be merchandised in a way that certainly wasn't the case when we were kids. No, no, not as much anyway. The toy shop and buy a Sonic toy. It was a game. Yeah. It was just on the screen mm-hmm. because this, there was a world that they could easily dive into. The fact that it was suddenly in their hands, that's, that was the magic of being able to put, like, you, Josh, gave me Mario Odyssey. Yes. And I played it the day before we set it up for the kids. And I was thinking, oh, this isn't this isn't Mario, is it? It's 3D. It's, <laughs> you, don't, you don't really die. You sort of just keep on, you lose five coins and you keep on living. Uh-huh. And then me and my youngest played it together. Mm. I was Cappy, he was Mario. A, a, like a phenomenal bonding experience when we were looking for them. Yeah. And he just absolutely loved it. My oldest has recently deleted the save file with the completed game on, and I need to hide that for as long as possible or just take Mario Odyssey to CEX and pretend that we lost the game. Do you, you're going to have to pay for Switch Online. Sorry, just super quickly. Do you pay for the Switch Online yearly thing? Yes. You yeah. might have a cloud backup of that. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I got it for the Mario Kart added tracks. Right, cool. Fast you, as one. You might have a cloud backup because it doesn't sync the delete. As far as I know, it shouldn't have then deleted the cloud save. Yeah. So you might have a cloud backup if you pay I for mean, it. You could have saved my life there. Maybe, I'm just crossing all the fingers. You're going to have to take on a second job. Like when they go to bed at night, you're going to have to be <laughs> playing that yeah. game <laughs> to get to where you were before. Was, by the way, top five games I've ever played ever. I'm obviously biased to wrestling games um, mm. in particular, but easily one of the best games I've ever played. I've got loads of sentimental value now because of playing it through with Josh, my son, not you. Um, but I understand <laughs> You're the um, but so well made, just beautiful. The you know what it did? It did something that even GTA never did, yeah. which was you play that game GTA, and something happens, and you wish you could interact with it. Mm. I can never remember not once thinking I wish I could interact with that, and then you hike happy and you can. Right? It's yeah. Just yeah, yeah. So it feels it's open world in a way that doesn't feel too big. Yeah, and too intimidating. I feel like and a lot of people, like for the Switch, just in general, came back to Nintendo. Like there was the whole Wii era, which was yeah. like solid enough. It was fine. Everyone played Wii Sports and everything, but yeah. like that console was. I was dominated. a gimmick Wii guy. Definitely had right, it for yeah. six months. Like my parents got, got a wheel for Mario Kart. Had Wii Fit, mm. and it just got the dust and went away. That was the thing. Like, but then a lot of people came back, and it's. I feel like a lot of people remembered how much they loved Nintendo, or were able to go. Oh my God, this this level of game is like mm. just so immediate and polished. If you permit me to just go back one second, I'm just so fascinated by what you said there about your kids. You know, like watching other people play video games on YouTube and then getting interested in them that way. Because when I was young, which is my only frame of reference for people being young, and I forget that people <laughs> don't share that experience, yeah. like gaming media outside of the games themselves mm. was like so rare. Like, you know, this was like pre- magazines. YouTube magazines, but mm. you can't get what Hamlet was describing there, I would no. argue, of the sensation of knowing what it looks like in motion. You yeah. get screenshots mm. and you'd be allured by mm. those screenshots and the look and the colors and oh my God, what is that monster, Crash Bandicoot? What even is that animal? Uh, but you don't see it in motion. And I imagine yeah. if I was a kid seeing it in motion mm. and being having a gaming world available at my fingertips outside of the console or outside of a PC, like that's just so different in so much more of a, an allure than I think seeing print magazine back in the day. So I thought 
that for the, like for the longest time, I thought that because of the exposure that you get to games through YouTube, the ability to, I remember when YouTube first first came along, one of the thing, one of the first things I did was look for a video of somebody completing, I think it was Sonic 3 or something, there was one I never completed when I was a kid, because mm. I wanted to watch the end sequence of Sonic 3, and I realised, oh my God, <laughs> the power of YouTube, you can, like, I can see the end of Sonic 3 now, right? <clears throat> and then when the kids started finding games through this, I was a bit put off by it, because I thought, well, you, I've, I've seen everything. Patrick Stewart and extras, you've seen everything. You know, it's just like, <laughs> there's nothing to play, is there? And then where my head was turned was we were working through Mario Odyssey and you complete the game in story mode. And then it was getting, trying to collect as many moons as possible to fill the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It was 300 or something, whatever it is. You've got to fill the Odyssey. And obviously the more coins he was getting, the more outfits he could buy in the game and all that. And some of the moons were really, really oh, yeah. tough to find. But you Google uh, what so something something kingdom moon 31 mm-hmm. yeah and somebody's uploaded that specific way to find that moon mm-hmm. i was like oh, actually this is best of both worlds stuff this because watching it on the screen and then us replicating it the buzz wasn't any less right because mm. we'd still done it ourselves we still got to achieve it and yeah like do we the timing still and did it it's just we really needed a game to show us how to do it <laughs> and it reminded me of those dreadful awful 15.99 walkthrough <laughs> manuals that you would buy so for many from them. hmv and game yeah. what a Oh, I mean, those the, were. the ones you got with gaming mags where they were just like little, it was like all the cheats from this month's yeah, games. Uh-huh. It was like little printed, little tiny little books. I have yes. a million of them in my old house. You would see clips on Games Master where somebody had used a Game Genie. I was like, what? Or an exploder. Just, so you've hacked it then. That's what you've done. You've, like, <laughs> you've, not, you've not done it properly. You've hacked it. That's, that right. still happens on YouTube where it's just like, oh, the solution to this thing and they've just modded it. And it's just like, that doesn't tell me anything. I can't access this thing. Your mate that got a better Mega Drive controller with a turbo button. So when yeah. you press the Street Fighter, they just held it down and he on went, this is really fun. That's how I got Another perfect. Well done, you. Well done. Yeah. Um, Josh, do you, what is your, oh, sorry, what is your earliest gaming memory? Oh, it was, um, I think I've talked about it before, but Hamlet may not know this because I don't think you would have watched the chatty faces in which I talked <laughs> about this. Almost you underestimate me. I, I, I'm like a proud I watch all your content. Oh, I watch, I watch all of the content, full stop. <laughs> we're, we're not producing it, what culture? We just watch it. We just content do. King. That is our entire life. Uh, sleep it. My first memory was when I was four years old, which mm. seems like a fake thing to even yeah. talk about like how can you remember I got anything when I was five when you were four I only know it because of the date of the show but it doesn't seem I've had five year olds now and it doesn't mm. seem right that something when they were that little yep. could be implanted that's mm-hmm. it but this made a significant impact on me because it was uh, I must have seen a PlayStation before PlayStation 1 was my first console and, and I must have seen someone play it before because my cousin had one at the time and I wanted one for Christmas I was like what is that I need to get this uh, and my dad got me a PlayStation 1 for Christmas but in a cheeky little misdirect. He allowed me to play it the night before by telling me that it was my cousins. So I was playing the PS1 game Hercules on Christmas Eve. And my dad was saying, look, you've only got five more minutes uh, because he needs to go back to your cousin. Uh, (laughs) He's he's needing it for Christmas Day. And let's just hope that Santa Claus brings you one tomorrow. In the cheeky bastard the next day, I woke up and he did the classic parent thing of knowing you really want a gift and hiding it. So I opened my presents you know, oh, no PlayStation, a little bit Thanks sad. Thanks socks, Dad. Yeah, Dad's like, you know, uh, oh, so do you get everything you want, Josh? And I'm like, wait, I got a lot of nice stuff. Got a nice Batman Forever Batmobile, but, you know, <laughs> didn't get the PlayStation I imagine you, when you're tiny, it's just your exact head right now, but on a tiny little body, just going like, wait, sorry. <laughs> my Val's film, the doll's got nips, just like the film. <laughs> so I'm happy, I guess. But I'd love to 
play this on a PlayStation. Uh, and then it was the classic thing of, oh, there might be one more gift behind the tree that you didn't realise. Yeah. And then it was the PlayStation. It was Hercules and PlayStation 1. Mm. Uh, and maybe Batman Forever as well, to be honest, because yeah. I was a big Batman Forever and a Batman Robin fan at the time. Mm. So yeah, that was my first memory. But like I was saying, you know, like that is probably the earliest memory I have playing mm -hmm. that Hercules game. So I literally can't remember a life having not known what a games console is or what video games are as a, as a thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the amount of time that's passed between, but that's the whole thing. Like Christmas console energy is the yes. best energy. Yeah. Like even, because even when I got my N6, I say it's Christmas, but I got my N64 for my birthday for my 30th. I just didn't have an N64 when I was younger. Um, and even that was incredible. And like even just being able to do like some sort of celebratory thing with a console, it just feels good. You get to access it and interact with it and whatever else. And I guess that's what makes that, like that's just a timeless feel, like booting something up, interacting with something. Um, those kind of things have never gone away. I was going to ask you, because we're going to do a little news portion after this, um, but do you feel like, what else do you feel has changed? Like, there's like the whole way that games are advertised and like how sort of simplistic you can jump into stuff you want about the damage you couldn't do back in the day in regards to microtransactions and whatever. Is there like a general thing that comes to mind if you were like, what's changed? Microtransactions are a living nightmare. Right. <laughs> as a parent, like that's not, uh, I don't mean to sound hyperbolic there. No, uh, we've said forward. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com 
forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. It is a living nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. I hope the kids aren't listening to this, but Santa might be trying to figure out an iPad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and that's going to create like a world of, uh, of its own. And mm-hmm. obviously at the moment, it's predominantly four games as mm-hmm. well. It's just mm-hmm. a thing for them to do their games on. And like we can fool them into doing the homework because that's been gamified you know, right, through right. the school. No mm-hmm. less. Like they've got a really cool app that basically has them playing games that's but cool secretly is helping them spell and do the time tables at the same time so right. that's really good you know I'll just, just super little random thing I'm doing Duolingo no, we're not sponsored at all by Duolingo but I'm learning Japanese through Duolingo and uh, that's so gamified it's yeah. so like lots of pop-ups and oh my god you just got 50 gems for doing this everything is isn't everything it? is but it's effective I like that and then they've just launched like Duolingo maths or something yeah. and I was like if they had this when I was younger like if they had this Duolingo thing for languages I would have totally learned mm. all the languages back in the day so I, it can be effective even if like you said there's an element of manipulation to it I don't know if um, um, so ultimately, running apps, for example, is one that I, I, mm. I would use all the time. And that's, you're looking at little graphs and you're seeing if you're beating your personal best. Mm. I'm not so sure if it's a bad thing. It's just such a user-based situation. It's such a situational thing, isn't it? It's a problem mm. if you become so addicted to the graphs and the, oh, yeah. the gamification of your life, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. you can scan what you eat. And I remember... He's probably watched this at the time, and I remember it being controversial. I watched it because of the host. You might have watched it because of the subject matter. Mm. Do you remember Charlie Brooker doing the top 100 games, and he put Twitter at number one? I hated that he put that at number one. <laughs> a lot of people did, right? It's it aged was, well, but... Yeah. It's aged incredibly well, because Twitter was so new, and people were kind of fooled into thinking it of nothing more than a, a social media site, and in mm. reality, and you know, we're all guilty of it. It becomes a numbers game instead, and it becomes mm. this, just this chase for nothing. That's mm. the worst thing, is that there's never a prize at the end of it. It's I not, never realised. It's not a sonic bonus level, where if you get all the rings, you do get a gem at the end. Mm. You're just running and trying to dodge the bombs. <laughs> like, that's all it is. And sometimes you're upside down, and sometimes you're right way up. But that's just life, just isn't it? In Twitter, like the... I never realised with Twitter, um, until I think you told me, Josh, you can click, when you go on your tweets, you can go on a thing that shows you, like, the insights of, like, how many people saw it, yeah. how many people actually liked like to impressions or whatever. And I was like, I'd never even knew all that data was there. And then I think you said like, I just can't look at that stuff because it just dominates everything. That was the moment where I put a lock on my phone to only be able to interact <laughs> with it for 10 minutes a day. Because <laughs> once I understood that you, there was a screen that gave you all the stats and you could see impressions, you could see profile clicks, you could see how many followers you got that month. Gross. I was like, I do not need to see that. There is, um, and this does tie back to gaming. And yeah. I, I'm sorry for like losing the thread. I'm just so excited. It doesn't matter at all. The... There was a uh, that documentary they did around on Netflix about yeah, the social dilemma. Was it? Yes. Um, there was a. It was a bit silly, but there was a lot of really good points in there. I think it's worth going and watching. And I definitely apply this to games now. Is that the one with the ex Twitter devs talking about the monster they've made? And yeah. They can't do anything about it. So, and there was a good thread about this recently, of course, on Twitter. So mm. you're having to engage with the monster to learn about what makes the monster tick. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. but again, I think this can be applied to gaming because I think it must be. There was a thing where, so I'm sat in front of a mixing desk as we record this, and there was a thing where they said, Twitter is often like somebody sat in front of a mixing desk where they'll notice, they'll be able to monitor engagement to such a degree where if they don't think enough users are experiencing the high of, say, a tweet going viral, for example, mm. or somebody a Twitter user just doesn't really engage, that by clicking a finger down the mic, they can just up a dial or up a knob on a mixing desk and that tweet, you've fired out 100 million takes, on Twitter and nobody's ever engaged with anything and you, and you your 100 million of them first take suddenly gets 8,000 retweets mm-hmm. right and a million likes or whatever and you just ah 
<laughs> this is amazing. It, it is a hit. It has effect. It changes the way the brain thinks. Yeah. So that's you. What's like a dopamine rush? Yeah. That's mm. you back onto it, chasing the dopamine for years and years and years. And that's, that will that will glue you to that app because you'll remember what that high felt like. Yeah. Mm. You remember what it was like. And then your next six to 10 tweets do nothing. And then you're down in the dumps because you say, hang on, I thought I'd completed this game. And I thought now I'm going to be <laughs> celebrated and like chaired across communities because my tweet about this thing was incredible. <laughs> it's all fake. It's people just twiddling knobs, right? Mm. The idea that that occurs with games that my kids play is quite stressful because a cartridge or a CD was once just that. Yeah, and yeah. It was nothing more. Not a live yeah, service. It was, and it reminds me of the, all the discussions about how Bill Gates sold products to market. Apple kind of want to sell themselves to you as a lifestyle choice forever. Mm. Yeah. It's never over. Whereas like you would buy a PC with, I'm not doing like old man yells at cloud as such, but the technology was once a thing that they sold. Like once you bought Windows, mm -hmm. you bought it and that was it. You had Windows, you had your PC and that was that. Same with games. Mm -hmm. And I do, I worry about the idea of um, say online game. And as my kids get a little bit older, playing it and getting that validation, but then the game people behind the game deciding how much validation they should have and that well, much control that they will yield over, uh, wield over my kids' heads. Super quickly, there was that thing about, um, I don't know if your kids have experienced that or whatever, but it was like various children were being bullied because they were being called default because they, they wouldn't, their parents or whatever, wouldn't fork out for the deluxe skins oh, of Fortnite. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. That, that was like a whole thing and I was like, oh my God, that's such a, because I was bullied a hell of a lot in school. It's like, that's a such a twisted reason to bully someone. My kid asked uh, why his fall guy gimmick. Yeah. It's just the generic one. Right. It was, uh, why, where do they get all them colours from? And that truth was, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I think the more he's played it, the more you can get stuff within the yeah, game. Yeah, you can like a funny stuff. hat or something now. Mm -hmm. But when I first looked at it and I saw all these different things, I was like, all I can see is pound signs. Or, well, because the or, default or assumption is... Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's going to cost me a quid, mm -hmm. that's going to cost me a quid, that's going to cost me a quid. And I don't really want to open the door in the first place. So ultimately, he's stuck with the generic one. I think that's the real poison, well, though, is the assumption of paying more. Yeah. Like, uh, this whole thing, one of my friends was like, oh, yeah, like, they died in Dark Souls. And it's like, well, how much money do I spend? How do I pay to come back again? And it was just like, you don't. You just play the game and it'll it'll happen. And yeah. you were talking about, like, the systems there that, you know, will, you know, arbitrarily or not push you into certain, you know, scenarios with those games. Certain algorithms that are, yeah. you know, kind of setting up what you see within those titles, like with Scott, uh, what Scott was talking about there were like the default skins and what you were talking about there with the default Fall Guy skins. Like there were patents signed, you know, years ago about the idea of online matchmaking, pushing people who haven't paid for skins into lobbies, in, into matches oh. with people who have paid for skins yeah. so they can essentially... Uh, manufacture FOMO. Manufacture yeah. FOMO, yeah. Oh. Get your eyeballs on these skins and these high, these, these, these players who have the skins are doing well and you want the skins and yeah. it's like it's all engineered ultimately not for you to have fun but for you to <laughs> see a thing that they want you to buy mm -hmm. it's an active algorithm instead of uh, this experience that is just in one solid state mm. as I say like ultimately obviously games themselves are made to Create, create something challenging or make you think you've got it right and then get it just wrong and obviously sometimes again I was Mario and Sonic World and reference points but if you don't jump at that exact point that's it you're dead you've got mm -hmm. to master that but at least it's a thing you can master and it will happen with practice and there was a it's earnest I think yeah. it's yeah. earnest achievement rather than this sort of stuff that we're all talking about and like I didn't know any of that but this speculative it was just like 
it, you can see it from an outsider if you're a digital native, as we all are, that kids especially cannot, and young mm-hmm. people that aren't educated by digital native parents cannot, and it just and the bullying, the idea of it being a bullying thing. It's oh, the not, amount of like on like the, like what Josh was, I was going to mention the pattern stuff, like the amount of like manipulative frameworks that are at hand in yeah. any online live service game that goes on long enough, um, or it depends who it's coming from. If it's coming from an EA or Warner Brothers and Ubisoft, whatever, like they have all those things in place. That pattern was an EA one, I think, um, and Activision, I think as well. Activision, so, yeah. just yeah, because it was like a Call of Duty. Thing. Thing. And it's like, yeah, that idea of just how do we make you think it a certain way to make you spend more money? And then the fact that you went there when I said what else has changed and you said they're a living hell, it's like we've communicated that for years. Like I feel like if you hypothetically met a game designer in a bar and he'd had too much to drink, he'd speak to you like he'd been through the Vietnam War or something. <laughs> I've Didn't seen we some things, that I've done some stuff. <laughs> well, not to be an old man, right? An increasingly old man uh, <laughs> across the board on this table right now. Right now. Uh, but I think the issue is as well, like we remember that when the stuff that they're selling now, like skins, like costumes, like cheat codes in some cases, mm. like they were just standard, they were free, but it's become so normalized for, you know, even teenagers now who, you know, can't remember getting one of those cheat code yep. booklets or anything, that this is just something you pay for. And if you're not kind of into games, as many parents are, you would just assume that was the norm. Like mm. people like us who remember that this stuff used to be free and, mm. and are incensed about the fact that they're now behind pay walls like that's eventually going to die out and i think like the long game for these companies is to just kind of brute force it now take the backlash because that backlash will get less and less as the years go on and we kind of age out of games people become parents they get a loose touch mm-hmm. or whatever and then new generations come in who just say well this is just what it video is just, games yeah, they just assume it that's that's yeah. what i mean about like the real like corporate poison that'll linger is the idea that it's always there that you can always just pay for something i do think the indie scene is is, is booming like far more than it ever was before and that's the real like if there was like a chorus of angels in the distance it's the indie scene like <laughs> that's the thing that is just like go over there that's the that's the market that you grew up with that's the variety of gameplay mechanics and experiences that you want it's over there but a lot of the AAA stuff just because the production uh, amounts are so high the cost is so high they lean on the microtransactions but that end, ends up becoming greedy like there's so many more greedy implementations of microtransactions rather than things that feel like we're just paying the devs because it's a live service for the next year or whatever I feel like it goes into the greed territory yeah. far more often oh yeah um, we should do a little news segment because um, I thought we'd do a little bit of our, our man on the street our ham on the street you might say <laughs> and that's various things and because it was announced yesterday that EA, well, we knew this was coming. This is a leaked thing. Uh, maybe this is the first time EA have confirmed it officially and um, that EA have partnered with Marvel for three big AAA games. Um, the first of which then was followed up on by Jeff Groby, known insider, saying the first game will be Iron Man. And then we know after that that there's a Black Panther game coming in one more. And um, we just thought we'd talk about that general idea of, you know, where Marvel is at. How much is Marvel a thing in your house? How much is the MCU a thing? And can the likes of EA bank on this going forward? Because the, thing the story for is me done. Is, like, video Sorry, what's games. the opposite of gotcha journalism? Because I feel like I. <laughs> I kind of believe I've been given this platform to be the, wor- the worst guy on the internet about Marvel stuff. It's like, how long you got, boys? Because like, we've got a wrestling podcast later on, but I guess we're going to cancel that recording because Hamlet started talking about Marvel. When we go off mic, you can thank me for this one. Because uh, I'm interested, right? Because games for me, you know, outside of movies and outside of TV right now, yeah. is like one of the last visual mediums where original IP has been king. You know, we would get loads of sequels, of course, but they're not, they're very rarely adaptations. They're very rarely, you know, movie tie-ins, but mm. now with deals like this, with deals with Disney, Indiana Jones, with Lucas Fiz- uh, Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm, Indiana Jones, you know, we're getting so many movie IPs bleeding into video games that I worry that we will lose the original 
ideas. We will lose the original IP that still makes gaming so great, despite the uh, incredible greed that we were just talking about. <laughs> well, so I guess my take on this is that as gamers, you don't need to worry. I honestly mm. think this is this is not a gaming thing. This is, and I apologise. I, I do I to anyone that feels like I'm like attacking something precious here. Like the things you love are trash, and like <laughs> the industry has just gobbled up your love and your affection for the things you like, and like even more so than the games that we were just talking about has monetized it to the extreme. Mm. There were so when I was a kid, so I was born in 1985. So it wasn't like games were brand new, but certainly games in the home were still a relatively new thing. So and like I grew up. Uh, near Scarborough so there was lots of arcades I could access loads of arcade machines were more about licensed things so it would be like playing the Simpsons game or the Turtles game mm. no one the flames coming up off the floor that yeah. like, iconic Turtles arcade game um, and there was uh, so Rocky was a game I had for the math system it was just a terrible boxing game but it was called Rocky right and the whole thing is you've got to beat all Rocky's baddies in the game so for one thing I think it's just always existed mm-hmm. but uh, I think anecdotally that when a film game is terrible it just goes away. Mm. Um, it just. How was the adaptation of the this film? That wasn't very good. So you just didn't play it, right? So like that happened just, with the Guardians of the Galaxy game. You just yeah. mentioned Hercules, and both me and Scott went oh like that. And I also <laughs> remember Aladdin being like really playable. Yeah, and a couple of other. And uh, I had a Donald Duck one for the Mass System that was tremendous as well. Oh was, my god, Ducktales! <laughs> I was never a bigger fan of the Mickey Mouse one. The castle. No, movie. no, same. I I held up, but the Donald Duck one was great. But, but they were ultimately they were com- judged completely on how playable the games were. Mm-hmm. But they were still going to get made yeah. because a film, and this goes back to the things you love, Marvel fans. I'm sorry it's trash, but loads of it is. <laughs> a decision is made really early on whether or not we can turn $100 million into $200 million. Mm-hmm. And those figures are probably, I'm probably out of date naming those figures. We're probably sticking a zero on both of those now. That's where it starts and that's where it ends. And the $200 million is not just what's at the box office. It's not just how much they sell them to Netflix or like if DVDs are even still a thing, but it's how much you merchandise them. And I know this because I'm stuck in, in toy shop aisles all the time. having <laughs> stare at But like games are the same. Like that, that game... What was the one I was just thinking of before? Uh, there will be out there, and you'll probably know it and have played it, and it'll got zero out of ten. There'll be a Catwoman game from the Halle Berry Catwoman. Right, there is, it was, yeah, it was yeah, one of the worst games of all time. Because, well, because it was one of the worst films of all time, right, yeah. wasn't it? But it was like, well, we've got in the budget for this terrible Catwoman film that there'll be a terrible Catwoman game and some terrible Catwoman action <laughs> figures. But what if the film blows up and ah. the game will do better? Everything will do better by mm. orders of magnitude based on... Their aim. We've laughed about this, Josh, just by laughing at the screenshots of the Sopranos game, for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, the Sopranos becomes such a marketable thing that they say, well, can we try a game? I oh, will try a game. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Lost... The game will capture people's attention. Hey, Lost Via Domus is a great game. Right, so like, I've no, but like, I remember the Lost game, and I, what the hell is this crap? Yeah. Like, do you know the one for me? They marketed this, and I was sucked in. Like, hook, line, and sinker. We've definitely discussed this about, yeah. like, this is going to be awesome at family Christmas, and it was crap because it had no stakes. Was Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> because, I bought that as well. Right, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, the television experience <laughs> in my own home, mom's going to love it, dad's going to love it. Like, it's, it's perfect for all the family. Yeah. And it's just like, well, should I just guess? Because it's not real money. Yeah. I think I will. Like, you strip that actual cash stick. Like, if I get this right, so I'm not getting a million pound posted through the no. console. So it does not matter. Mm-hmm. Me. Oh, lost. I'll just play again. And then you played again once more and it was like, oh, I'm And just took that. forever to try doesn't, again. It doesn't yeah. matter how good the Chris Tarrant animation was. I'm just not playing anymore. Mm. I love and that, man. I, and I honestly think 
Some film games will be good. Some film games will be bad. That'll be either subjective or because you're a fan of the franchise, but it's already decided for you because they do not give a shit about you at the end of the day. <laughs> like, and, I, like, and they, I, I know like being a Marvel critic is and a cynic is boring and old hat now. Oh, I think, I think it's changing overall. I think there's a general turn in the, in the air at the and minute. Like, you know, the great, you and Patterson formerly of this parish, we had a good bit of back and forth. And like, I hate the things you love. I hate the things you love. Because he thought wrestling was stupid. <laughs> Truth was, we were both right. Like all of it's terrible. All of it's garbage, but we just care about it. And like companies, in my case, WWE, in his case, Marvel, will just try and ring out every last tip us upside down like the school bully taking a dinner money. Is that you sure you're not going to the quid up there? Like, and I think that about the games too. There must have been some from this era of like the the MCU era. What's it? Iron Man One was the start, and it yep, continues yep. to this day. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but there must have been a game that ruled. There must have well, been something that was awesome. This is what Spider Man, freaking Spider Man. Yeah, but that's Christ. not a tie-in. Like that- Spider Man games are awesome. That still took them like ten years. This is what makes me worry, right? Because because all of the games you were talking about, that was the old model. That was mm. them farting these things out and yeah. viewing them as a toy, viewing them as extra merchandise. Ex- something for the Christmas party. Exactly yeah. that. Mm. Something to turn that 100 million into a potential 200 million by spending- See the movie and you go home with the game. Yeah, as yeah. little as possible. Now though, it's since Spider-Man came on the scene, like that was a fully formed thing. Of course it was, you know, using the Spider-Man brand from the movies and the comics to bolster it, but it was an original game story. Rules, man. It, that that, that mm, most yeah. recent one on the PS4. It was absolutely I incredible. I around New York and look at it. Yep. Yeah. It's sold really well, but now the issue is people went, oh, if these things are good and we put time into them, like they will sell way more than they ever did. So now I worry that when EA signs a deal like this, they're not farting them out in a year and then we're still getting original stuff. They're putting their biggest teams on these projects mm. that take five years at a time and then you only have so much bandwidth. Is then everything you get a Marvel game? It's a worry because <laughs> the, the action movie died. Right. So the Marvel could own the, mm. yeah. own the summer, didn't it? Like you just, you get one action movie maybe every, like, I was thinking Mad Max for some reason and there will be others, but maybe once every five years you get an action movie that's- John Wick's pretty much the only other like top tier thing. Top Gun this year. Yeah. Like every now and then an action movie is permitted to compete with yeah. the big mm-hmm. Marvel blockbuster of the season. Mm. I guess that's the, if that's the model, that like, there's something exists that could happen to gaming if it happened in, and because it's content as well. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything is content to the detriment of everything, by the way. Everything is content. So gaming will surely just be part of that problem yes. rather than contributing to any kind of solution against it. <laughs> it's interesting in terms of um, like that idea of like things being greenlit beforehand and that's why you, because it's, it's, it's more of a calculated risk and whatever else, because like the likes of Iron Man and those old games, the um, Captain America movie and everything, they had games tied in with them when they launched. Well, the Iron Man one was like a mobile app or whatever. But the this thing of EA saying like, now we'll do an Iron Man game with a budget, with a Spider-Man sized budget or whatever, that is still a very calculated risk. That is still very like bankable, but it's not like they're doing like a more undersung, they're not doing like a, a Nightcrawler a game or something. It is still the most obvious thing they could do. On this, is there going to be a, or has been discussion about uh, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, the game? Are they going to... There's been discussion about it, but... Because that would have been how it would have been once upon a time, wouldn't yeah. it? You would get the, so like the original Mario well, film or like the terrible Street Fighter film, like that I was Ky- say, the Kylie was... Blesser was trying to carry. Yeah. You know, like just, I, I just feel like that, if it goes, if it starts eating itself, like... Mario is incredible. So mm-hmm. you get a really great Mario film. Mm-hmm. Finally, it's the one that people have always really... Sonic. There's yeah. a better example. Would you get a game that is the version of the film version of Sonic? Well, the w- thing is... Could that work? There's a weird crossover because like in um, in Street Fighter's case back in the day, there was that Street Fighter, the movie, the game. That was its full name. And right. it was like the game of the movie, but it was the movie of the game in the first place. But yeah. you had all the sprites that were based on the actors and yes. that barely sold and whatever. There was that thing. And then for Sonic, new Sonic, um, there's like Sonic add-on stuff in Sonic Colors, the remaster that it just did, which I know because I buy 
everything. And um, <laughs> you can get like an animation, you can get a costume, makes him look like the movie one, not a full reframing of his entire being, but it like animates him differently. Makes I him felt look the like chemical that. rush there. Oh, I'm like, talking that like off of the film. Oh, like, like, I, I got some. Sonic Frontiers is next week, and I'm counting the days. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so they, they try and tie stuff in. The Mario one's interesting because I would take like uh, um, I, would, I would love a Jack Black Bowser voice pack for mm. Mario. I don't know what you'd put him in though. Whether you put him in Mario Odyssey, whether you wait till the next Mario, like we are overdue the next Mario anyway. Or do so. the levels just replicate whatever happens in the film? Mm. Well, so that's, the, that's you know yeah. you just do it chronologically. I'm thinking I'd take the kids to see the film and then they want to and then oh this is the bit from the first bit of the film mm. and now we're on level one and it's this like that doesn't seem well, too hard to no in, in Mario's case I think what they're doing is is rebolstering the entire history of Mario to this point like even those little penguins are from Mario 64 and like right, the Ice right. Kingdom and whatever else like there's thing I because basically I watched that trailer and then went back and just played Mario I went back to 64 I played I played all of Sunshine in a couple of days and it's like I think that's what they wanted to do because um, on the um, Switches charts and um, Mario just dominated the top 10 like the yeah. week after that trailer came out um, so I don't think they do a weird Chris Pratt Mario game I think that would I don't know what that would do but it wouldn't feel like a Nintendo product and mm. um, it would be a bit too western yeah I, I think assume. like the kind of modern model is to like Scott was saying you'll get a costume from the movie in mm. a game that already exists so yeah. then you can go home buy a microtransaction rather than a full game so they're yep. still getting a bit of you know money for you know bare minimum effort to considering into in relative to creating a costume compared to creating a full game and they still get the little boost they still get the interest in the game itself mm. and then I think they manage to win without risking anything at all <laughs> or they do the branding deal I almost bought, I mean I have Microsoft Flight because Top Gun like uh, Microsoft Flight Sim and Ace Combat 7 both have Top Gun DLC where you can just yeah. play, you can get Maverick, um, you can get his plane, whatever the hell it's called, and you can do some stunts and everything else. And I re-downloaded all 100 gig of Microsoft Flight Sim so I could fly over my own house in Maverick's plane. Um, but I almost bought Ace Combat 7. That was how bad the illness got. But that was the pull of like, I love this movie so much. I just want to play this thing. And it's like, they did a branding deal. That almost got me in again. I love that you flew over your own house. Yeah. Like, that, that's such a... I flew over and took loads of photos. I went down the, down the, down the sea. I, um, I played, I, I just, the one thing on the Switch that is just for me, and it's perfect because I can do it in like snackable moments. It's five mm. minutes of time here or there is Tetris 99. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's so oh, yeah, yeah. It's Tetris, but it's just fast. It's competitive. It's, mm -hmm. it's like so playable. And um, you get, obviously, you know, the more you play it, you build up experience points or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can unlock skins within it. And I got to the point where I could unlock the, like, original. the original Tetris yep. thing. And I'm playing <laughs> it. I'm thinking, this is great. And it's like, you've got hundreds of pounds of technology in your hand to play a version that you played when you were <laughs> 10 years old. Hey, that on, online on, functionality wasn't there in uh, on, yeah, 1989. On a, on a primitive like Game Boy that mm -hmm. you've just basically had a thing. Hey, you know this thing like, that I paid a fortune for? Can I make it look like the much older one from my youth, please? As if I'm trying. It reminds me of that story Russell Brand told when he was in the throes of a terrible heroin addiction. He would play GTA. His character would get in bother and he would just sit there, his life in ruins, his character in ruins, and go, oh God, I've screwed your life up too. Like, just, uh, I'm looking at this thing, they're like, what was this for? Like, what, what am I holding about? The power of this thing. Can you make it like the old one, please? They were like sort of going on the internet and being, uh, can I just print this out and read like a newspaper, please? What, the entire internet? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, all, all of it. It's just how I, I like to consume things. Can you print out this email and send it to me? Yeah. I, just, yeah, I just make sure I'm getting <laughs> it the right way. Post. I feel like overall, um, can you make it like the old one is the general <laughs> mentality in gaming right now. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. Uh, I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. A massive, massive thank you to Michael Hamster for joining us for that. I think that was a lot of incredible insight and I love your rant about Marvel. I wish we could separate that. Uh, something yeah. else. I would say I would love to come back, but I think after that, I'm not going to be welcome. <laughs> so it, was, uh, it was a joy. It the issue is, joy. you've just 
destroyed the buffer because sometimes Scott will say, Marvel's a bit of nothing now, and I'll go, oh, I still quite enjoy it. And yeah. you come in, sledgehammer, and go, Scott, <laughs> you're right. You can never talk about this again. We've completed this discussion. I needed a Sonic fan who didn't like MCU the whole time. Um, but yes, for now, whatever I said, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.